0: Open up to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. If you'll stand with me, I'll read the text over us this morning. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Appiah, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers. Hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, yet for love's sake I rather appeal to you being such a one as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is, my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel." But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might be by compulsion, as it were, not by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord, if then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me but if he's wronged you or owes anything put that on my account i paul am writing with my own hand i will repay not to mention to you that you owe me (laughs) even your own self besides yes brother let me have joy from you in the lord refresh my heart in the lord having confidence in your obedience i write to you knowing that you will do even more than i say but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I tust, trust that through your prayers, I shall it shall be granted, I shall be granted to you, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, Amen. Lord Jesus, as we come to Philemon, a, a really short book but a powerful book and a necessary book. It's your word today to us, and it is profitable in so many ways. Let your spirit bring it to bear on our hearts and just empower me as a preacher and teacher of your word to speak in such a way that men and women would be turned to you, Jesus. Know you personally. and Be redeemed and reconciled not only to you, but to their brothers and sisters. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Philemon. Fun to get into. Moving out of the pastoral epistles after many, many weeks in um, in 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. We get to this one-chaptered book, a very interesting one. You know, how many times. This week was I studying, and I just typed in PHIL as a quick reference, and of course it took me to Philippians. Why does Philippians get all the credit? I mean, Philemon's good too, you know, and and so it's hard to abbreviate, pretty much still have to spell it out, Philemon. One chapter, interesting thing is because it's one chapter is you're reading references to it, there's no chapter reference, it's just Philemon 6 or Philemon 20, you know, And so it's just an interesting thing, as well as Jude, a one-chapter book. And so as we get into this book, we pray that the Lord would tune our hearts to his to be part of this ministry of reconciliation. This book is summed up in one word, reconciliation. Why is that? Well, because Philemon, the one who would receive this letter as well as his house, Philemon was a great landowner in Colossae. He had a great home, and within that home, he, as well as many in that day, had slaves. He had a slave named Onesimus that, at one point or another, in his bondage, escaped. And he ran away, and apparently, as you read the tone of the letter, it seems that he took something from Philemon as well. So it wasn't just a runaway; he was a thief. A thief uh, who was indebted to his master as he ran to Rome. Hopefully just to blend in with many other runaway slaves in an empire that had some 60 million people in captivity. It was the common thing to be a slave. Uh, Lightfoot, J.B. Lightfoot says, uh, It was logical that Onesimus escaped to Rome, the biggest city of the Roman Empire, Rome was a natural cesspool for these offscourings of humanity, but at his providential meeting of Paul in Rome, Onesimus met the man who had led his master Philemon to Jesus. So something incredible happened as he ran to you know what would have been called back then this cesspool, this place for uh, you know almost sin, sin city, and people to just kind of run away and hide. And how interesting, in that place, he would meet the very man that had led his master to Jesus. Later on, Paul's going to say, I think that the Lord is up to something here. How about you? And so it would begin this work in Onesimus, the the slave's heart, uh, and then in Philemon's heart as well, of somehow letting bygones be bygones, uh, pursuing one another for forgiveness, uh, in the book of Colossians, in chapter 4, verse 9, Paul would refer to this slave not as a slave, but Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother. And so, within this heart, in this beat of reconciliation, Jeffrey Wilson wrote if this letter presented no revolutionary challenge to the social structures of the day, that being slavery, the implications of its teaching were bound to prove fatal to slavery in the end. And so much as uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6 and that exhortation to bond servants that we have there, you don't see Paul the Apostle waving a banner of revolution, of armed conflict, and rising up against those social disorders of the day, that being slavery. But what you see Paul the Apostle doing is encouraging people to know the gospel, trust in the gospel, be transformed by the gospel from the inside out, and to let that revolution of their heart take place where darkness is conquered and the light of the glory of God comes out and transforms society around us. So it's a change from not the outside in but the inside out, a work of the Holy Spirit, a work that was bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus and the life that he provides through his resurrection from the dead and so as we get into this and and uh you know it could be a one week thing it could be a uh a a 10 week uh, probably not maybe a a two week thing three week thing john trapp said that this is a notable epistle and it's full of worth each word having its weight each syllable its substance didn't you kind of get that as we were reading it today trapp says from an abject subject, the receiving of a runaway servant, St. Paul soars like a heavenly eagle and flies a high pitch of heavenly discourse. And so let's get into this notable epistle Philemon. Verse 1, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow Laborer. So Paul, with the help of his um, disciple in the faith, Timothy, who we've gotten to know so well over the last many months, uh, Timothy penning this book, Paul speaking uh, it forth, uh, he dresses himself humbly, as he often does. Paul, a bondservant of, uh, of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says in other epistles, calling himself a servant. But here, humbly calling himself a prisoner, really the first time we see him address and introduce himself that way. This was written during Paul's first Roman imprisonment, that we read about at the end of the book of Acts, where he's under house arrest. He is in shackles and chains, and there's a soldier present, and, and he is, yes, indeed, a prisoner of Rome, but he sees it, as he writes here, more ultimately as a prisoner of whom? Jesus. He's a prisoner of Jesus. He's a prisoner of Christ. As Lightfoot says again, they were not shackles which self had riveted, but a chain with which Christ had invested him. Thus, they were a badge of office. So shackles and chains that were a badge of his apostleship that Jesus said, count it all joy when you fall into these persecutions uh, in various trials. And, to, and in the Mount of, uh, Sermon on the Mount, there on the Mount of Beatitudes, count it all joy, you know, rejoice when you're suffering persecutions and when people treat you spitefully and say all kinds of evil things against you. That's how they treated the prophets before you. And so you know you're doing something right, you know, when the world is rising against you uh, for the sake of Christ, you can rejoice in this. And, and you can even look at it with a different perspective, that it's not uh, the state that's imprisoning you, but you indeed are a bond of Christ. You are a prisoner of Christ Jesus, And so as he begins to write this letter and he's there with Timothy, it's so great to see that uh, not only is the letter honest, not only is the letter tactful, and it is so tactful as you read it and as as we study it, but it's even humorous. As we even giggled as we were reading it out loud uh, today, and I wonder if Timothy kind of giggled as he was like, you really want me to say that? Okay, you know, writing it out. Like, that's kind of funny. I think I'll like that. I know. Okay. So, you know, as they write it out to Philemon, to Philemon. His character is mentioned, this Philemon. He's beloved. He's a friend. He's a fellow laborer. In the Greek, the word fellow laborer is synergos, which is where we would get what? Synergy. Synergy, working well together, working in sync. This great fellow laborer, this great beloved friend. And not only is it addressed to him, but in verse two, it's also to the beloved. I'm not sure how to say this. Apia or Appiah or Appia, um, perhaps. Uh, Apia is uh, noticed as our sister in the original Greek. She's our sister Apia, And it's believed that it's probably Philemon's wife. And it's interesting that she's addressed here because back in the day, It was the wife of the home that was in charge of the slaves. Uh, She was over the slaves, and so uh, no doubt as the supervisor of this household and over the slave, this letter concerns her also while it is addressed to the head of the home, Philemon. Uh, It's written that regarding the escape of the slave, she is as much a party to the decision as her husband because according to the custom of the time, she had day-to-day responsibility for the slaves and of course the decision that is to be made here is that as Onesimus has met Paul he's become a Christian Paul has become Onesimus's father in the faith just as he was Philemon's father in the faith and so there's a work of reconciliation that needs to take place here between two sons in the faith who have uh, some sort of worldly issue going on and so there's going to be a plea for reception, a plea for receiving, a plea for reconciliation. There's a matter at hand where a household needs to decide what are the, they going to do with this liability, this debtor, this Onesimus. Uh, and, so, and so Paul is going to make his plea in just a little bit here. And so uh, Apia has a bit of a role in what is going to happen with Onesimus as he would come back, as well as Archippus. Archippus uh, probably is uh, Philemon's son and he's noted as a fellow soldier how wonderful if this is truly the case that it's husband, wife and son that it's a family serving the Lord as so often happens in the New Testament believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved you and your household it's told to the Philippian jailer and many others you and your household Men, as you would come to Jesus, as you would receive forgiveness of sins, as you would be washed as white as snow, as you would have the Holy Spirit placed in you and be given a new heart, your changed life will affect your home. And how incredible to see when that happens. And the Bible says it, so often we see it in experience, it's not always as rapidly as we'd like, but sometimes we do see just that that change take time within our home. And we trust the Lord in in those hopeful things that so often happen, as it did apparently here with Philemon, Apia, and Archippus, who is now a fellow soldier. A fellow soldier. I appreciate this wording here. I appreciate that he's called a fellow soldier while never a soldier myself. You guys know me, right? You know that I love some military history. You know that I love reading the books. You know, I've always got a book going somewhere of some sort of, uh, you know, military campaign, you know, and the, the mighty leaders and the mighty men who fought and the bravery and the courage and the sacrifice. And, uh, and, and especially something that you see over and over in those writings or, or movies or whatever it might be is the camaraderie among those friends that are in battle together, the, those guys that have shared the foxhole, those guys that have shared the trenches, those guys that have carried each other and patched each other's wounds and sacrificially given each other's lives for each other and, and given their food to one another and, and uh, protected one another and had each other's back. And it goes on and on and on, of course. And so as we see here, uh, where we don't see Archippus mentioned often, he was a guy that was in the trench uh, taking ground, with Paul the Apostle, a fellow soldier. Uh, Maybe grew up with the old Sunday school song as we did, that I may never march in the infantry and ride in the cavalry. And there's some hand motions to it too, but I'm not going to do it. Okay, shoot the artillery, all right? (laughs) Or fly over the enemy, okay? But I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir, right? Uh, Probably was a Sunday school song that Archippus sang growing up. Translates differently in the uh, Greek, I think. But Uh, but he is this fellow soldier and there is uh, uh, there is a church in this home it says there in verse two there's a church in the house there's an ekklesia in the Greek a congregation there's an assembly of the saints coming together and it happens to be on the property of Philemon this word ekklesia it's church but it's two Greek words ek which means out of and kaleo, which means called out. It's a group of people who are called out to be separate. And most often speaks of this assembly of that people together. Of course, it's not the building, which we so often think of it as, you know, well, where is your church? You know, we're all over Prineville, you know, but we gather here at 394 Northeast Belknap. And soon we will go over to a more churchy looking church uh, over on Forth- First and Holly, But that's also not the church. That's just a building. It's just a structure to help facilitate New Testament Christianity uh, for part of our week, you know. Um, But the church, we're here. We're gathering today. And we're called out of darkness into the marvelous light. And we're called out of the world to be something separate and different, to be light, that we might proclaim the praises of Him. He says, Grace to you in verse 3 and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Karis and Irene, grace and peace. Two lovely girl names, standard names, saying what Jesus has done. He's given us his grace. Something that we could never earn, something that we could never work for. As as DJ said, we can never pull ourselves up, by our own bootstraps. We can never white knuckle it to be good enough. On our best day, our best works are as filthy rags before the holiness of God. That's our best day. And what we could not do because we are weak in the flesh, a bunch of weaklings that just want to rebel and disobey all the time, God did by sending his son Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came looking like a man, he came as a man, half man, half God fully man, fully God, the hypostatic union. Here he is, and he delighted to do the will of God. And so he obeyed, he did it, and he put to silence sin. In doing that, with grace, for anyone who would believe, he brings peace, he brings Irene. Isn't that a great name? Have you ever liked the name Irene? Peace, he brings a peace of heart, a peace of mind, peace as we're reconciled to God, peace as we're reconciled to one another, grace and peace. I don't quote it very often. Not the biggest fan of the uh, author for some various reasons, but uh, but men that I really love and respect. Have appreciated him and so I'm, I'm yielding a little bit and kind of beginning to enjoy and see things but uh, in the message paraphrase his translation is every time your, uh, your name comes up in my prayers I say oh thank you God that's the next verse going into it I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers every time your name comes up oh thank you God Did you know that that that's you in this church? We spend time going through the church directory, going through the Facebook page here at the Pulse on Sunday nights, which is tonight, by the way, 6 to 7, only one hour. Come and pray with the church. And there's times we just give prayer to praying out over people and naming names. And if you're wondering if your name comes up, whether at the Pulse or at the home groups or in the core groups or in my personal private prayer time, your name comes up. Your name comes up. And you know what? It always begins with, oh, thank you, God. Oh, thank you, God. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayer. Verse 5, hearing of your love and faith which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. You know, in culture and in society, in the day of Paul with, No real way of communication, but maybe the Pony Express or, you know, the letter or maybe the smoke signal. I don't know. Uh, Somehow, even in Paul's day, word of love and good works would make its way back to the Apostle Paul. Even from, you know, what was then the farthest corners of the world. And it's true today in a day where it's a quick tap on your phone. Where actions are made known very quickly to a community, very quickly to a church. And here he says, I thank the Lord, man, when I think of you and when I hear of love and acts of faith, that you're doing it toward not only Jesus, but all of the believers. The Phillips paraphrase says, for I have heard how you love and trust both the Lord Jesus himself and those who believe in him. I've heard about it. Here's this guy that's a beloved friend. He's a, a fellow laborer there's synergy going on and it's no surprise to Paul but he's hearing about great works of just reaching out and loving on people that's a beautiful thing and I just want to challenge and encourage our body in something different seasons different things but here it is 2019 and I would encourage us to be pressing in with purposeful prayerful intention as to how we can be loving on this community tangibly the love of Jesus Christ looking around open-eyed who are those around us that are hurting and broken and just need us to love them and ornament the gospel with tender mercies and compassion I know it's happening to a degree there's a group that meets weekly or every other week now specifically praying and strategizing as to how they can reach juniper canyon major prayer major thought major discussion meeting with neighborhood representatives how can we reach this area that appears to be hurting or broken or isolated or maybe feels unloved by the town of prineville how else can we do that purposeful prayerful intention I remember the days that Calvary Chapel, I used to hear it all the time that our name was being spoken of all throughout the town that we were really loving on this community. And it doesn't mean that we're not, I just don't hear about it as much anymore. And that's on me, all right? That's on the elders and it's not on you. But let's pray about Holy Spirit, move us to love this community to where when the name Calvary Chapel is heard. It's not just in the newspaper about, you know, hey, they're purchasing this old building and everyone just loves that the building is still going to be used. That's a great thing. That's not what I want to be known for. I even made mention in the newspaper article, like we love that we're going to have a place to meet, but that's not what we're about. We want people to know Jesus and be changed by Jesus and have hope and healing and to know him. I just recently, uh, this week, I don't know where it is in my notes here. Um, my, my friend Luke from Newport who's going to be coming and teaching at the men's muster. Quick little plug for not only prayer tonight, but the men's muster. Please, 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 please come to the men's muster. Please come gather with us. It's a biblical thing to gather as men. Read the Old Testament, man. The men of Israel are to gather once a year and to spend time together seeking the Lord. And it wasn't just supposed to be free from them. It was supposed to be with a cost, a cost for their life to get out there with each other and seek the Lord quick little men's muster plug, but my buddy Luke is going to be there at it. And I've just been loving getting to know Luke because he's a guy that is this strategic planner of how to love and reach Newport. And about two weeks ago, uh, he shared on Facebook about, uh, he could see out on the coast, out on the ocean, that there was a ship that had sunk and that the Coast Guard was out there and that they were searching and looking for Um, the men of that ship and it turned out everybody on board died and uh, as far as I know one of the men was a man from South Beach Church and was a man that had come to know Jesus through Luke's ministry Luke had done his wedding so it was a very heartbreaking thing to have the boat go down with these men from Newport and men from out of town but the love that Luke has given to um, the the fishermen in that community was shown to have been appreciated this week when a, a video was posted with him tagged in it. And, uh, and the title of it was, Newport's Fishermen's Wives Give South Beach Church a Gift Basket of Hats and Sweatshirts. And it goes on to say, the members of Newport Fishermen Wives wanted to take a moment to recognize Luke Frischette for all he's done for our community and the families that are grieving right now. Pastor Luke was close to Josh Porter, even though he's going through his own grief, he's gone the extra mile for those who need it most. Thank you. And, uh, and so that was, that was a special thing. And it's, it's just been impacting me. Like, I just want to be more like my friend. You know, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more the guy that just goes and lays his life down to just love people. And, uh, and yesterday just, you know, get a phone call i'm trying to study for today you know and it was an inconvenient phone call someone wanting to meet uh you know like can it wait a couple days and it's not really necessary and uh like you know uh, it just wasn't good timing you know what i'm saying and the lord's just like get off your lousy butt and get in your truck right now and drive there as fast as you can and go live on these people And so he just changed my heart to just be overjoyed and to be someone that was like a Philemon. I want to be like a Philemon who, of course, is like Jesus, loving on with tangible grace, in this case, the saints, with Christ Jesus. Pretty neat and special thing. But as you get into uh, verse 6, it says that the sharing of your faith may become effective. By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. So as I first got to verse 6 in my studying, I was really excited about it. Okay? Maybe read it one more time and maybe you'll know why. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Here's one of the first things I wrote down. Love toward Jesus plus love toward the saints equals the sharing, uh, the effective sharing of your faith. And I was just excited. I'm like, boy, I know where I'm going this Sunday. Uh, Effective personal evangelism. It's just going to be a great Sunday. We're just going to be stirred by the Lord to go in this community and to witness and to share the gospel. Reading some, you know, a few commentaries, of course. This is the foundation for all effective evangelism, the overflow of a life that has been changed and touched by God. One man wrote, the reason why some sharing of the faith is not effective is because we don't know or can't communicate every good thing that God has done for us. Just remembering, you know, even from the book of Titus, just, man, the more we worship the Lord for his grace and meditate and ponder on the good and great things that God has done for us. We love Jesus. We love what he's done for us. That's going to translate to effective communication of our faith. Oh, so excited to teach that today. Right off the heels of youth group on Wednesday night, we're in Acts chapter 14. Paul and Barnabas were in Iconium and it says that they so spoke That a great many of Jews and also Greeks believed. Just this great message for the high school group. Just, Lord, help us to be those that so speak. Or as the ESV says, speak in such a way. That we would speak in such a a way that people get saved and people believe. Effective evangelism, right? Effective sharing of our faith. Then I started doing the word studies. (laughs) All right? And it's just so important to do that. It's important to begin to look at the context of the whole story, the context of the whole book, the whole chapter, in this case, the whole book, and to begin to look at other translations to see what the thought is that's being conveyed here. And so let's see maybe where where the right direction would be as we look at that. The Phillips paraphrase, so just Greek paraphrasing, um, paraphrasing from the Greek, it's helpful for us as it says, and I pray that those who share your faith may also share your knowledge of all the good things that believing in Jesus Christ can mean to us. Another prayer f- paraphrase is just helpful to get what Paul's getting at here. I keep praying that this faith we hold in common keeps showing up in the good things we do. And that people recognize Christ in all of it. Maybe you've got the NIV this morning. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. And so when you've got this sharing the faith, the word share in the Greek is koinonia. You probably have heard that word before fellowship right fellowship sharing with one another and so when you get down to the root of what this fellowship is speaking of it's not going the direction of personal evangelism like i thought it was it's still a good thing it's still a biblical thing still a great message for another day but just not what the text is saying okay so important as you're preaching the word to preach what the text is saying The New English Bible puts it, I pray that the faith you share with us may deepen your understanding of every blessing that belongs to you in Christ. What I'm getting at, and what Paul was getting at, which is really the more important thing, is that here you have a slave owner, Philemon, a believer, okay? Maybe totally treated his slaves with dignity and respect, but they were slaves nonetheless, He's got a guy that's run away, stolen from him, and there's some stuff that's going on where he's maybe bitter towards this guy. Uh, He's got every right to have this guy uh, crucified or to be tortured. Um, You know, there's some major stuff that, that could happen or that should happen. And before the decision is made, Paul wants Philemon to take some time and consider the faith that they share. Ponder the gospel that, that uh, Philemon, Appiah, Archippus, uh, Paul the Apostle, Timothy, what is this common faith that we share in the gospel? And that is that while we were enemies and while we were debtors, while we were at war with God, Christ died for us. He has set us free, He has forgiven us our debt. He has nailed it to the cross of Jesus Christ. And while you're pondering this shared faith, let it deepen your understanding and all the blessings that you have in Christ and all the blessings that are to be given out. Blessed to be a blessing. Quite a different message than, you know, hey, gosh, you know, man, I just hope that you would just be a a bold and, and powerful uh, proclaimer of your faith and that it would be effective that it would be an open door for the gospel like first corinthians 16 might say uh and that the more you acknowledge every good thing that's in you uh in the in the gospel that it would just be more effective for evangelism great message not what it's saying okay um you guys all look like rory you've hammered the point like to death and so but i don't think i have okay so translate this to your life oh, Mr. and Mrs. High and Mighty, that this isn't about you, okay? Because that's where I was. All that God has done for me in our shared faith means that there should be an understanding of it being poured back out to those who have wronged us on the most deep personal level. That's Philemon. And perhaps this is the key verse of the book of Philemon. It's ironic that one of the hardest verses is also its its key verse providing the pattern and motivation for us to forgive uh to forgive those who have wronged us reconciliation being the key word here um to quote someone smarter than me which could be anybody you, you guess who it is no The context shows that this is not about evangelism. What Paul is doing here is making a plea to Philemon to do something which is not normal, not characteristically the culture of the day, to do something that is divine, to do something in forgiveness that is emblematic of all that Philemon himself has experienced in Christ. Philemon, dip into the communal reservoir of everything we have in Christ. And in doing so, increase your knowledge that is not something to be your thinking, but your doing. And what I have in mind is that you respond to your runaway slave, our fellow Onesimus. One other Greek translation of this verse is, I'm praying that the mutual participation which is proper to the Christian faith you hold may have its full effect in your realization of every good thing God wants to accomplish in us to lead us into the fullness of Christian fellowship that is in Christ. Let our works be informed. Let our minds be informed by the faith that we share and let that move us towards good works for the glory of God this effective work of the spirit. Verse seven, for we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Again, I I make mention of you in my prayer. I'm always giving thanks. Thank God for Philemon. In fact, when I was just thinking of that verse, it was a couple of back, was it verse two or verse three? Um, I just pictured Paul like praying, you know, shackles and chains. He's praying about all sorts of stuff. I mean, a lot of churches on his mind, a lot of people on his mind, and just whispering, and the name Philemon comes out. It's a special thing. Like, I make mention of you in my prayers. I have joy. I'm given joy, and I'm refreshed. Or rather, he says, we have great joy and comfort because all those saints have been refreshed. And then later on in the chapter, So, refresh me now. Refresh me now. But the word refresh here is a military word, speaking of soldiers on the march who are exhausted and they get that 15 minute break. They get that 15 minute sit on your knapsack or sit back and lean against a tree and take a drink of water and sit in the coolness and just get a little energy back. Be refreshed. So many saints were refreshed in their hearts, in their inward parts, by Philemon. Some of you, that's your ministry. You're refreshing. You're a drink of cold water. What a gift. As you wonder what your place is in this church and you pray about what gifts the Lord has given you to edify the body, I wonder if the Lord would be speaking to some here today to be those that just refresh others. Just give a drink of cold water. Maybe refresh people. Just have that eye that looks around the church and, man, you know what? This is a new family here. They've been here a couple weeks. I remember when I was the new family and just how grueling it was to kind of come to a church and try to figure out if this is even the church. And you know what? Be that person that just goes and gives a refreshment. I was thinking of our elders, thinking of Aaron, who's, you know, I think he's five or six years as an elder in this church. And I was just thinking today, I wonder if anyone ever refreshes Aaron and Stephanie in just the work that they do for this body. Johnny, you know, half a year or something as an elder in this church, always leading worship. Uh, you know, Adam, a deacon, among many things, juggling many things, always leading worship and just refreshing and encouraging um, people that are serving us, refreshing the children's ministry, ref- just refreshing fresh air. Cold water, bring some shade.